You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. What's up, Vox and Hops heads? Here I am. I'm back. Vox and Hops episode number 22. I had a great week. I hope that you guys had a great week. I hope that you spent some time with your loved ones, with your friends, with some great delicious brews. I had the opportunity of uh, going to a new-ish microbrew here in Montreal, someplace that I hadn't been before. It's sort of on the other side of the city compared to where my normal stomping grounds of uh, micropubs uh, tend to be. So I made my way over there for, uh, I had some friends that were celebrating their birthday there and it just sort of worked out really well because I got to taste uh, some new beers. And that brewery is called uh, Four Origins or in French, Quatre Origines. It is uh, located in Griffintown, which is in the southern part of Montreal, southern western part of Montreal. It's located in this factory style setting. It's big, it's airy. It really reminds me of like an American brew pub when I went in. They have like all the games everywhere. It was fun. It was good. I was looking forward to drinking uh, my favorite beer from them, which is the Hopération, which is called Hopération. And uh, that is a double IPA, which has been dry hopped with cryo hops. But sadly, they didn't have it on tap. So I had to, uh, you know, try a whole bunch of other different beers. So that was too bad. So I tasted uh, a bunch of their beers and my favorite one of the night was the oat pale ale it was uh, delicious it was uh, hoppy it was uh, fruity it was uh, right up my alley and I really really enjoyed it that night my beer of the week is uh, La Gabière's uh, Funky Mutti, which is a wild season style beer, which has been brewed with wild yeast and some passion fruit. And it is an all around, very well balanced beer. It's not too sweet. It's not too hoppy. It's not too malty. It's extremely drinkable. It's delicious. It's uh, I guess 6%. It uh, has uh, just the right amount of fruitiness. It's tropical because of the passion fruit, but it's, it's not like over overly, you know, fruity or uh, like perfumey. It's just, it's a delicious, extremely drinkable beer. And it's a beer that I've been drinking since it came out about two months ago. And I will continue drinking. I hope that they're going to make it a part of their, their uh, steady lineup because uh, I would be disappointed. Uh, as for my pairing of the week, uh, just a reminder that I started this last week when I was challenged by my friend Danny Marino, who is a Vox and Hops alumni. The guitarist of The Agonist is uh, I'm going to be doing pairings of albums and beers. So for this week, I'm pairing together. It's sort of a somber <laughs> you know, overtone because um, the post-rock community, for those of you that don't know, I'm a death metal singer, but I really, really like post-rock and we lost uh, a post-rock hero, an influencer this past week in uh, Mark Hollis, who is uh, the singer of Talk Talk. And if you don't know who Talk Talk is and you like post-rock, you should absolutely go back and check out their discography uh, because uh, there would be no bands such as Radiohead, Sigur Rós, uh, Mogwai, or any other big post-rock band right now. If it wasn't for Talk Talk throughout the 80s and into the 90s, Talk Talk uh, really, really built up a, a strong foundation for post-rock. And I, I was I was saddened when I when I heard that this happened, and I was sad there'd be no, no, no new music. I love new music. Uh, I appreciate everything that they've put out and the influence that they've had on all these bands that I like, because all the bands that I like ended up influencing a bunch of other bands. So it's been like a, a nice, beautiful circle, which has been turning and creating amazing music. The album that I would like to pair together from Talk Talk with the beer is Spirit of Eden, which is my favorite Talk Talk album, with 
as I have to pair a beer to an album, which is an influencer, I have to pair it with uh, Fin du Monde from Unibrew up here in Quebec, because uh, just as much as this album was an influencer, the Unibrew, Fin du Monde, they were like the first people that were making craft beer, or one of the first people making craft beer up here in Montreal, and a lot of the people that I have interviewed on the podcast that uh, are big like craft beer head nerds right now, craft beer enthusiasts right now, they all started with Unibrew. They they were the first ones out there putting out Belgian-styled, Belgian-inspired beers. And uh, Fain Zimond is a delicious, malty, almost caramelly, Belgian-inspired blonde ale, which ranks in at like 9%. It's a, it's a heavy beer, but it's absolutely delicious. From what I've read up on the beer, it took them a long time to get this beer to go because they were extremely inspired by Trappist monks when they created this Belgian-styled beer. It was brewed and then re-fermented in the bottle, which was a first in the American market at the time of launch. So... Um, I just can't imagine the Quebec beer scene without Unibrew. I can't imagine the post-rock scene without Talk Talk. So my pairing of the week is Talk Talk's Spirit of Eden and Unibrew's La Fin du Monde. Today on the podcast is the interview that I did with Dave Boucher two weeks ago while we sat down together at one of Montreal's best, if not the best, microbrewery, Dieu du Ciel. Check it out, Vox and Hops, episode number 22 with Dave Boucher of Extensive Enterprise. I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed. What's up, everybody? We're live. Ciel Pub. This is Vox and Hops, episode number 22, and I'm with Dave Boucher, the promoter extraordinaire of Extensive Enterprises. Extensive Enterprise. Extensive Enterprise. No S. Singular. 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 How Singular. are you doing? I'm doing great. Yeah, I'm tired, you. but uh, you know, enjoying the lovely Montreal weather and the 30-ish centimeters of snow. Yeah, we got slammed last night. Yeah. We got really, really slammed. I woke up and I was like, bah. I should I should write Dave. <laughs> see if he still wants to come. Uh, we called. Every, yeah, yeah. We, we called to see if it was open. Yeah, because yeah, oh, everything really? else is closed. Yeah, yeah, like every every everyone I've talked to today, it's always uh, like every email I've written, every phone call, maybe like, not sure if you're in the office today, not sure if you're working. And most people are. Like, it takes a lot. I feel to to put a Montrealer out of work. You know, like considering it's snow and not sub-zero temperatures. Or, or like the, the freezing rain exactly, that we exactly. got that yeah, yeah. really is much more dangerous. Yeah. So this is this is a cakewalk in terms of the weather we usually get. So you're the first promoter on the show, on the podcast. Interesting. Um, I've known you a long time. Yes, yes. You booked my first big show. Uh, <laughs> or put me that? on. It was, uh, I believe it was either, God forbid, at Lex or Unearth. I think I did both of them. Okay. It was two separate shows, though. Yeah, I can't the, remember which was first. The God was Forbid one came up recently because it was on my birthday. Really? I think it was God Forbid Nora. Yes. Uh, who was it? Walls of Jericho, maybe? Or Burnt by the Sun. Burnt by the Sun. Yes, 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 yes. 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 It was supposed to be Blood Has Been Shed, who had been a band who I'd furiously tried to book for years and years and never to this day have been able to book. And they dropped off pretty much close to the show and replaced by Burnt by the Sun. And that's I pretty, remember, I remember that. Pretty, yeah. pretty fair trade-off. It was, uh, I remember being very nervous 
my first uh, big downtown show at the Lex. The Lex, the yeah, legendary venue. I think at the time, too, it was the first show that, God forbid, it ever, quote unquote, sold out. Oh, really? So they were oh. they were super excited to be able to tell people they sold out a show. That's right. Shout but out to yeah. Doc, who uh, has his own podcast, oh, yeah. The X-Men. Yeah. I'm a fan. <laughs> I haven't listened to it yet. I, I, I've heard of it numerous times. It's just that, uh, you know, there's so many podcasts out now, it's just hard to find time to, 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 to like listen to them. It's, it's crazy every week. Especially, you're a very busy dude. Yeah. Yes, yes. Very, very busy dude. Um, let's give people a rundown of uh, what a promoter does if they don't know. Okay. Um, so I put on shows. Uh, a lot's changed since I started doing shows. I think it's actually, I thought it was 21 years. It's actually 20 years uh, this month that I've been doing really? shows. Well, yeah. congrats. I've been telling people, yeah, 20 ish, 20 ish. And then someone recently posted a flyer of the first show I ever did on Instagram. And I was like, oh, that's this year. So, yep. And in about a week, it'll be 20 years years of doing shows so um a quick rundown uh you know in in 2019 how it works uh an agent will will probably reach out to me and uh, he'll pitch me a few bands in a package i'll call a venue try to secure it uh if everything sorts out you know we work out all the the financials of it announce a concert put it on sale and then a few months later we have a show it's uh it's 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 way more complicated now than it's ever been in terms of setting up shows, you know, in terms of, you know, every band is touring now. It's, it's like mm-hmm. it's pretty much the only way you can make money. So it's uh, tours are getting booked farther and farther in advance because dates are becoming more and more scarce because, you know, there's just so there's so much out there. You open Facebook any day of the week and check out what events you have coming up and you can't even count them on both hands. There's just so much to choose from. And that's, you know, and that's t- just taking into account usually metal and hardcore and punk don't even take into account like pop music hip hop like you know every other genre under the sun it's like every night of the week there's a concert yeah, in town there are like yeah. five concerts yeah, in town yeah and then like if you Friday or Saturday you, you have three four different choices you know like last year was was the first year where we had multiple nights where we like we're doing multiple shows a night we're doing two three shows a night which is insane I know that October was insane for yeah, you. yeah yeah uh, September October was was it was the busiest I'd ever been in my life like it was you know usually 60 days how many shows oh I it was like ballpark like 20 yeah. 21 or 22 which for me is yeah. is just unfathomable because usually I would do 6 to 7 a month and so you know basically business tripled That's and like it was and they were big shows too like I did 3 Metropolis shows and that or MTELUS as it's now known which is a 2200 cap room which for a small indie promoter to do that many in such a short time span was was just insane it's still Metropolis to me yeah yeah yeah, yeah. like, <laughs> like I, I catch myself I always have to uh, and tell us. Let's start about talk about how this all started. You've told me the story before. Yes. When we were at the Bucket List Goes podcast, yes. you, you, you gave me this. Uh, uh, how did this whole booking life come to be? Um, so, late 90s, uh, I was super into hardcore, and uh, a lot of the bands I was a fan of just weren't coming to Montreal. So I'd have to travel to see shows. So I'd go to upstate New York, Vermont, Ontario, Massachusetts, you know, anything that was kind of in a six hour drive to see shows. And um, I went to a New Year's festival in Toronto and I had to make it back um, for New Year's Eve and uh, at the last minute. So 
I went to the show to buy merch, so to buy some CDs for the, the bus ride home, and buy some T-shirts and stuff. And I ran into one of the bands playing Reach the Sky, and I started talking to the singer. And I mentioned that I was from Montreal, and I'm heading home, and I'm bummed I'm not going to get to see them, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, oh, you know, we've always wanted to play there. You should help us set up a show. And I kind of laughed, and he's like, no, no, give me your email, and I'll hit you up. And I was like, sure, here's my email, <laughs> whatever. And so a couple weeks pass. And Ian hits me up and he's like, hey, we want to come to Montreal. Uh, this is at a time when most bands weren't able to tour full time. They were all weekend warriors. So everything had to happen on a weekend. So he's like, hey, we're, we're free this weekend. I talked to some friends in Buried Alive and In My Eyes. And yeah, if you can set something up, let me know. So... I, I couldn't believe what was happening. I hit up my friend Fred, who worked at Underworld, and um, he was just about to start his band, A Death Very Sin, and wanted to kind of pull back on doing shows, so he was looking for someone to kind of take over the reins. And I was like, hey, these bands want to come here. What do I do? <laughs> and he uh, he put me in touch with the owner of Café L'Inconditionnel, which was a Narcotics Anonymous cafe that had a back room that they would rent us for $225 that depending on who you talk to, could fit 50 people, could fit <laughs> 300 people. It was never really specified. And, um, yeah, I was like, hey, is the room available this weekend? He said, told me yes. I emailed Ian back and, uh, you know, started working out the details. And, you know, before I knew it, I had a show confirmed. We, I, like, asked my friend to make, like, a shitty flyer and print master or whatever was like the the, the like the the, the the appropriate I don't think Photoshop existed 20 I don't years think ago. so no no but yeah so yeah like it, it, it all came together really quickly charged eight bucks a hundred and something kids came which at the time was phenomenal I was able to pay all the bands pay back my photocopies and it was you know and I was I was off to the races so to speak because those three bands left they were super happy they told three bands and then the next three bands I booked told three bands and it was just this kind of ripple effect and before I know what I was doing a couple shows a month really uh, yeah so it, it all it all snowballed really really quickly and at what point did you stop working and this became your job that happened I mean relatively recent, recently it was it, I think we're at year seven or eight that it's been a full-time job. So for 13 years, it was kind of like a, a labor of love. Had to work a full-time job during the day and do shows on you know on the side type of thing. I seem to remember you working at an HMV. Yeah, I worked at yeah, the, yeah. the downtown HMV. I was the the punk metal buyer and then I eventually moved up the chain and was buying I think like 80% of the, the music at the store so they're just like hey your, your buying patterns are really good do you want to take over the urban department I was like sure and then they I gave me the pop department and then they gave me the Franco department which I thought was, so I was like you're, you're reaching like, <laughs> <laughs> and but I, you know I was able to pull it off but yeah like it got to a point where my day job was suffering and I was sneaking mm -hmm. off to the bathroom to like answer my Blackberry and answer emails and my, my boss came to me He's like, you got to make a choice, man, and I and I hope you make the right choice. And he was pushing me to like leave and go do this full time. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. He was just I was like, expecting the opposite. Yeah. He yeah. was like, go go do that. You know, like if you have a chance, go go follow your dream. So I I quit before I got fired, and uh, yeah, and then I was off to the races as doing a, being a full time promoter. I I feel like you're one of the tops in the city yeah. you know there's there's the big big boys yeah yeah, yeah. you have like your Eventco's and Greenlands and, and so in the food chain I, I, I fall somewhere I guess like in the upper middle I guess you would say like you know like a, I'm, I'm kind of akin to Blue Skies Turn Black who do a lot of like exactly yeah. more indie rock shows yeah. so like we're still a niche 
promoter, you know, like everything we do basically has some sort of connective tissue to metal. So, you know, like it, it, there are bigger promoters than me and there are smaller ones. So, yeah, and it's, yeah, I have a pretty comfortable place in the food chain. I, I think you're doing quite well. Yeah, <laughs> can't, can't complain. Red Ziel, and uh, I've ordered us a beer. I said, what do you like to drink, Dave? And you said, uh, I like IPAs. You chose an IPA. So I chose the Mega Mosaica, which is a amped up version of their classic Ultra Mosaica, which comes out uh, in the summer normally. Ah, that's why I haven't had and this one. And it's their momentum. They put out like a four pack every month of okay. uh, specialty beers, that are, like a monthly specialty beer. And this month of February, it's the Mega Mosaica. And I was actually, as I told you, drinking this last night, walking home in the <laughs> snow like, like, like a teenager. It is a little strong. I'll, I'll admit that. It smells good. Color-wise, it's, uh, it's a nice, uh, almost hazen, hazy, hay-ish type color. It smells very fruity. It has that citrus uh, mm. smell to it. It's good. It's really fresh. Not quite a New England IPA, but still very fruity. Not malty at all. Not West Coast. I wish I could add more to this, but I, I rarely <laughs> drink, so I'm like, it's beer. <laughs> it's it, it's good. Yeah. It's good. I it's like good. It is, it I'm a big fan of Zidziel. Uh, it's uh, yes, same here. one of the classics that I, I was like, where, where where are you? I was like, oh, we're going to Zidziel. Yeah, yeah, it like was a very you know, easy, easy it's, yeah, it's like choice, a, and I've been wanting to come here, and I, I haven't had the chance to do it on the podcast yet. Uh-huh. Who do you think uh, were your influencers booking wise growing up if you can remember or if there was anyone I would definitely credit the people at Greenland especially Nancy Ross she's kind of been like my fairy godmother in uh, in booking uh, you know like anytime I had a question she would answer uh, pretty much you know everyone that worked there Paj uh, Duncan Blair at the time now he's moved on to Avenco he would help me you know that they were always super helpful you know and because I was doing shows that didn't really compete with theirs that were mm-hmm. kind of free Mm-hmm. I'm sure they didn't really see me as any kind of competition, and we're like, we'll just we'll help Dave and his do his little weird thing on the side. And but no, they they helped me get into like bigger rooms. You know, they explained to me like the legalities of contracts. Like they really helped me because. You know, I went from doing like handshake deals to, you know, having those like, what's back end? What is, you know, mm-hmm. like, what's a drop count? Like all these like terms that agents would ask me for. And I'm like, huh? And, like, you know, like, hey, can we get finals for a show? I was like, what? Like, <laughs> I just handed a band a bunch of money. I don't like really keep track of this stuff. So like they were always super helpful in, in helping me get to where I am today. Do you think that uh, Extensive has grown more with the disassembly of BCI? Um, yes and no. For people I, that I, don't know, BCI was like a big... Yeah, they were the, the metal promoter for, for, for like the, the better part of 20 years. Yeah, shout and, out to uh, Steph. Steph, yeah. yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he did an amazing job in the city. Um, I definitely took over part of it. Like it kind of like, almost like a custody settlement, like Avenco kind of took... You know the, the like the, the more established acts. You know like the ones that Steph built, like the Children of Bodums, the Inflames, the Opeths, and such. And I took a lot of the more like fringy black metal, death metal type of acts. You know the Dying Fetuses, the Mayhem's. Uh, I'm trying to think who else I could throw in there, Marduk and stuff like that. So yeah, like there was definitely like a void to be filled. And at the time, I, like I was. Pretty much exclusively doing hardcore metalcore shows, and then yeah, there was like a void to be filled, and agents started approaching me, like, hey, do you want to start doing some more metal type of shows? And I've always been a metal fan, and I had gotten to the point where I'd gotten comfortable with the ins and outs of how things worked, and decided I could take it on and, and you know start working with these more established acts. 
do you, do you consider the metal bands more established because they're more organized than yeah. hardcore? Yeah, or is yeah, it yeah, just yeah, definitely, it, definitely. <laughs> you know, the, there's definitely like a huge difference, like running, you know, like a, a, a terror show and running a, like a Halloween show. You know, yes, like, yes, you were mentioning that. To yeah, me last like time. you know, it's it. You know, it, that, that was the, the, a huge show. It was a huge, the, huge show. It yeah. was like an arena show that we squeezed into Mtelis, <laughs> and you know, like it's 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 night and day in, in a lot of respects. You know, like it's. You know, doing like a hardcore show, it's like, hey, we're gonna be there around three, four p.m. Maybe we'll sound check. <laughs> you know, we'll we'll take like a bag of chips and like you know like a bottle of vodka backstage, and that's about it. You know, and uh, you don't have to really worry about anything else. Whereas like when I started doing these metal shows, it was you know there there was you know marketing plans to be done and you know backline to be rented and like all sorts of crazy stuff. You know, like the days were much longer, which is one of the first things I realized. I was like, what do you mean I got to be there at ten a.m.? Like that's insane. Insane. And then when you see the, like the, these bands showing up with with trucks and stuff, you're like, okay, now I get it. You know, so it, it's definitely and just like crew wise, you know, like sometimes these bands don't even have a merch guy. These hardcore bands, you know, much less a tour manager. Whereas like when you start booking these metal bands, you have like a whole bus just for their crew. You know, like a TM assistant TM. Uh, you know, some, some, the bigger you get, sometimes they have an accountant on tour with them. Really? Yeah, yeah. Wow. It, yeah, it gets kind of crazy. Like bass tech guitar tech drum tech blah 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 you know it gets it gets pretty crazy pretty quickly with some of these acts what is one of the craziest riders you've ever you don't have to say who it is if you don't want to it's not so much like the, or like the yeah, weirdest thing that you ever had to, to fulfill on a rider i like sometimes like i i wish i could remember specific things in riders but a lot of bands will just throw very off the wall things into the rider just to make sure you're reading it yeah. because they're like hey we need these things to just make the, the basic show work you know so they'll just they'll kind of test you be like did you get the rider and be like yeah you wanted like you know a bowl of blue M&M's you know and they're like no 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 we don't need that but we do need like you to make sure that you know the lighting truss is 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 ready and you know just all these basic technical things like backstage demands it, it doesn't really get that ridiculous anymore sometimes like from a technical standpoint it, it's intense and you're just like what like you know like that go back to the Halloween show. They're just like renting like an LED wall mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And that's I, I I'm lucky to say like in all the years I haven't gotten a ride where I was just like forget this. Like who do you think you are? <laughs> like for the most part, everyone is you know very uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They're respectful. They don't really need to. They they know what they're walking into. They're not going to push it and ask you for like ridiculous things, you know. But that, you know, I'm sure if if I was to go one step higher, we'd start getting into, hey, we need like leather couches brought in, brand new backstage, you know, and stuff like that. Like when you go on, I think that site was like the Smoking Gun or something like that, and they had like the Foo Fighters rider and the J Lo rider and stuff like that. It's it gets batshit insane. But doing metal shows, it's it's pretty down to earth. What is the biggest mess you've had to clean up after a show? Watain, obviously. You know, like it, those are, those shows are legendary. Much Montreal, like uh, animal blood, and uh, uh, you know, like it, that, that's 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 the worst it's 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 ever been. You know, like there, there is a there is a smell that comes with a, yeah, a yeah, well, yeah. show. Like it, I mean, it's gotten progressively better over the years. We've been doing shows with them for roughly ten years, and every time they come back, it smells a little better. The first one was. 
was something else. That's when they were at their uh, their most intense, like dragging animal carcasses with them, like across the country, and you know, and that was the show they famously got banned from catacombs uh, because they were caught uh, chasing uh, small animals uh, in the back of the venue by uh, the owners. Really? And, yeah, we were doing two nights at catacombs. The first show went off relatively without a hitch, and then the second one, yeah, they, they, the the owner caught the uh, the band chasing some some animals around and immediately canceled the show on the spot. Tried to reschedule it. Tried to find a venue last minute. It just it seemed like too too big of a mountain to climb, and we we're just like, forget it. Let's, let's just scrap it. Wow. You know that was that was that that was like the worst in terms of like cleanup. You know, like sometimes you have confetti. To clean up and stuff like that but it's it's not that bad did you, you used to do guar too i imagine i've never actually done a guar show okay uh, just because it's passed through a lot of contemporaries and i know the the headaches that come along with cleaning up after them and i was like nah, i don't really need that <laughs> it's fine like i've been offered it numerous times but i just kind of was like eh, like the the, the the pain afterwards seems to be I like I, I'm trying to remember a couple years back. I wish I remembered his name. He did a guar show and like the cleaning bill wiped out <laughs> his entire profit. Oh yeah, yeah, because uh, they're just like the venue didn't know what insane. they were getting, yeah, into, yeah, getting yeah. into, and they're like, hey man, like they didn't. If they don't set up with the plastic yeah, properly, yeah, it's, it's yeah, a nightmare. Forget it. yeah. Like you know, like there was damaged equipment. The the the, the, the bathrooms were a complete oh, calamity. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. it was it was disgusting. And I remember talking to him, and he was like, I made no money. Like it's all gone. <laughs> just had just to like you know to clean up the venue. So I was like, yeah, maybe I'll I'll steer clear of that one. I've toured with both of them. I'm not sure which smell I appreciate more. Yeah, what is what is the guar smell? It's it's the rubber okay. and sweat. No. Yeah, yeah. It smells sort of like uh, like car tires almost. Caoutchouc. Uh, I can't imagine yeah. like wearing those costumes for a couple hours a day and probably not washing them and just like putting them in the trailer. They, they were great. They were super nice. Yeah. And, uh, they had a big. They had like a two three man crew. Which that, for that this, does like, it all for like yeah. the, the 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 complexity of yeah. the show is yeah. pretty insane. And what team were intense? Yeah. yeah, not the most talkative bunch, but can't, yeah. can't say anything bad about them. No, people. no, as we did South America with them, yeah. we were sitting on these airplanes next to them, and they still have dried blood yeah. on their faces. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, great. What do you think about uh, Heavy MTL's lineup? There's like some really cool stuff in there. Um, I'm excited to see Beast in Black. Okay, uh, this band, they're. Uh, Finish. It's members of Battle Beast, their new band. Kind of the new. They just dropped a record last week that's very eighties pop sounding. Okay. Whereas the previous one had more of a power metal vibe. So the, the, it's a, it's a it's an interesting interesting band, and it's the first time they're playing North America, which is really cool. And you know, obviously, a lot of the bands that we're friends with that we've done over the years, the Stick to Your Guns and the Cancer Bats and uh, Beartooth, Knocked Loose, Fu Manchu, stuff like that. Um, I I missed Slayer on the last tour, so um, you know um, I want to see them one more time, definitely before they they go away. And uh, Galactic Empire, I'm kind of curious to see too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll like, see about that if yeah, that lives that, up to the hype. Thing. Yeah, like I mean, I, I'm a huge Star Wars fan, and I so, hope they get to play at night, but they're probably not going to get to. Yeah, like I got to yeah. bet. I mean, hopefully. They, they realize that, you know, it, like the, the th- more theatrical bands, like Watain is playing too, and who wants to see that band in the sunlight, you know? Like, yeah, it just doesn't work. You yeah. know, same thing like when Neurosis played a couple years ago, like you're just like, this band needs to play 
in the dark. Like, it just doesn't work in the sunlight. So, yeah, like, it, there, there's, like, there's some stuff, obviously, I could do without that I'm not a big fan of, That, but definitely has, like, their fans, so that's great. But, you know, like, uh, it, it, it's the same case every year. There's always, like, a few bands that I've never seen before that I'm super excited to see, you know, Despise Icons doing Day of Mourning. I think Municipal Waste is doing Art of Partying, if I'm not mistaken, which is going to be pretty cool. So, yeah, I'm, I'm super happy with the lineup. So, looking forward to it. Do you think they were panicking when they leaked? I'm is, sure. Is that something that they that, that is a good press? or? I mean, it's you know, it's kind of like when you're a kid and... We'll just, we'll just lay the groundwork for oh. everyone. Heavy MTL is a huge festival up here in Montreal. Yeah. And uh, Slayer on their Facebook, I believe. Their Twitter, I think. Okay. I posted the the lineup the lineup flyer let's yeah. say a week early basically a week early and it was up for like 20 minutes and it got pulled down but everyone yeah, shared yeah. It, it shows and it you went how everywhere. like <laughs> how fast things work with the internet now like 20 minutes it was there and you know it didn't matter it was everywhere yeah. like you know all the major news sites scrolling my twitter feed scrolling my instagram feed my facebook feed it's all i saw you know it and you know because like i missed the initial like someone's like the heavy Montreal lineup leaked and I was like and then like it's on Slayer's Twitter and I went there and it wasn't I was like oh it's gone but all I had to do was open my Facebook and then it was, it was yeah. everywhere and everyone giving their two cents on the lineup I like the uh, how heavy MTL handled it in yeah. their post yeah, they're, they're like, like we're excited to announce it yeah. our new lineup but obviously and Slayer was, not, was not a little too it, excited <laughs> not but, as excited as Slayer but yeah like I can't imagine you work on something for, for the better part of a year putting it together mm-hmm. you know and a, a, a festival of that level you know like it's the, everything that has to go into announcing it, like coordinating with all these artists and sponsors and and so on and so forth, and you know it just gets leaked out there. You know, like it's there goes your bust your cherry. A yeah, bit, exactly. Yeah. I mean, the the flip side is like. It's kind of cool, like it's like oh, it leaked, and you know, like there's like this this buzz that builds from it, and people are excited, you know. So there's a plus to it, but I, you know, the, the minus I think definitely outweighs it, and it couldn't have been a good day for the people who are working there, and <laughs> yeah. to, you know, and especially the guy who leaked it. I can't imagine. I hope he still has a job, you know. Oh which, well, yeah, definitely. Well, yeah. They probably just sent it to Slayer and said you're going to announce at this point, but they yeah, I'm sure that like it, it, I, what, what I'm assuming probably happened is that the announce like, it happens a lot with any kind of tour like like hey please announce and go on sale this date actually no something's changed you know like there's a problem with the the, 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 the poster this band had to drop out no 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 and we got to change the announce and I'm sure it it got lost somewhere along the line and they didn't get the, the memo about the date changing and just threw it out there and uh, yeah, found themselves in a Shitstorm, to say the least. <laughs> well, in their favor, it's they have a strong lineup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that's it would have been if it was the opposite. Yeah, like if, if it was it something was, that was you know that got raked through the coals. You know, like you know. Marilyn Manson and yeah, Slipknot again or something. Yeah, you know, yeah like, exactly. Like, there's interesting yeah, bands. Yeah. Which is like, hey, these bands haven't like either haven't played heavy ever or haven't played in a couple of years. Yeah, and Ghost know? is. Yeah, hot. Like, the, the, you can put Ghost on anything, and everyone's yeah, yeah, happy. Yeah, yeah. It seems to be like the biggest. For lack of a better word, new metal band like yeah. that's come out in the last yeah. couple of years. That's that's able to be an arena band. You know, there's, there's insane. A, yeah, quickly too. Yeah, like it, what I saw them like 2013, 2014 with Opeth. 
Uh, they definitely they headlined at uh, Corona with yes that was that was the turning ancient point, eh? wisdom and King Dude yes if I'm not mistaken that was like the first time I saw them and I was like oh this is cool and then you know didn't never would have if you're like you played me that record and you're like this band's gonna be one of the biggest bands in metal I'd be like yeah sure whatever okay and I love watching all these tough metal dudes yeah get into it singing you know, I was along like, yeah I was like it's a pop they're like a pop band that happens to have like you know happens to be like Satanists and have a very metal imagery but if you know I played that record for my mom she'd probably be like, oh this is pretty good i did it I, I work in a daycare yeah and on one day a week i show up early and i clean like we have like art rooms for the kids next to the classrooms and i was playing ghost not the most recent but the previous one the he is yeah song and stuff and the, she's like oh this is like the first thing that you play that i like an educator says to me and i was like he's talking about satan and then <laughs> yeah. and probably immediately got mortified yeah. and like, no 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 oh, they, they're, they're very used to me but yeah. <laughs> um, have you ever considered having like an extensive enterprise festival? I've toyed with it, but the logistics that go into it, being a one-man operation especially, is just, you know, like it, uh, people, but you should do a fest, you should do a fest, and you start to get the ball rolling, you start talking to bands, and it immediately gets complicated as soon as you say the word festival. Mm-hmm. You know, people just automatically assume there's boatloads of money there. You know, like, oh, you must have, like, sponsorships or something. Like, well, we're going to ask you for three times what we normally ask you for. And we're not going to play under this band. And, it, it, like, I, I had toyed with doing one for my 20th anniversary. I had started, I was like, yeah, maybe I'll send out some feelers and try to plan it. And it just got super complicated right away. And I was like, nah, this is this just isn't for me. Like, mm-hmm. it's just not something I'm I'm too keen on you know like it's getting bands to reroute their tours and you know and finding a, the proper venue and it, it's I get asked continuously and like I think now I'm like nah it's not for me I'm not not a fest guy <laughs> I feel like Heavy MTL has uh, set something up really strong yeah 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 and, but, uh, I, and I feel like Montreal does not need another metal festival like we got enough of them well with Montebello being yeah, there's a defunct hole there. right now yeah. but, but but you think of there's Ear Slaughter there's now Maryland Death Fest is yes, running yes. every year uh, you know, Puza has definitely has like a. I was gonna say Puza is insane the way yeah. that they said it. I yeah. don't know how they organize that. Yeah, they're like a committee now. They have they're they're like a there are a couple people helping out and running it now. Yeah. Puza they're, Fest is this huge punk fest where there's stages outside and it's in like yeah. I want to say like five six yeah. venues yeah, running yeah. So all at the you same know, all time. All in kind of a walking distance, like yeah. for fun catacombs, uh, and Catherine. They do do the outdoor stage mm-hmm. and then if, if it permits and they have big enough bands, they'll have a show at Club Soda, and yeah, like it's it's. Very much akin to what they do in Florida for the fest. I don't know if you ever heard of it. I have, yes. Yeah, yeah so it's yeah. it's pretty much like a similar setup with what they do, you know, and a li- like kind of like a mini South by Southwest almost. Mm-hmm. Like in I'm friends with uh, Chad, the merch guy of a Wilhelm Scream. Yes, yes, and they're definitely yeah. a fest band. Uh, yes, They've exactly. Played it numerous yeah, times, yeah. exactly. But yeah, and I'm sure there's metal fests. Well, there was Wings of Metal, which doesn't happen anymore. But you know, there's there just seems to be so many festivals in Montreal, especially for metal, that I was like, nah, we don't we don't need another one. You're doing well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, no, I don't. I, I, there's one thing I definitely don't need is more work. You know, like, <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. What is uh, the show that was your most successful? Um, uh, your favorite? The show you're most proud of? 
probably the first time I got to do a Metropolis show. It was the first time I actually was able to bring my mom to a show and be like, this this is what I do, you know, like, because prior to that, you know, doing shows in, in dive bars for a couple hundred people, you know, because at the time, you know, like, I was like, this is, I'm going to try to make a living off of this. And it probably as a parent, you're just like, my son wants to live off death metal. Like, uh, okay, let him, let him give it a try. And, you know, being able to do a show for like 2,000 kids. Mm-hmm. And it, it was, I, I, I think it was like a day to remember in August Burns Red, if I'm not mistaken. And, you know, it's, it's especially gratifying when it's a band that we took from like doing Linko playing in front of a hundred people and you know watching, building, it, build. watching yeah. it go like you know hey they're going to play this room and there's going to be 300 people and then we're going to do this room and there's 900 people and then we can put them in a 2000 cap room it's like super gratifying to like watch these bands build you know and to feel like you have like a some part in that journey with them so a lot of the Metropolis shows hold a special place in my heart the shows at Lex definitely you know I, I you know like it's all kind of a jumbled mess like it was kind of always the same 20 bands playing with each other so in like, different combinations yeah, yeah yeah so what's your favorite Converge show and I'm like oh god I can't like the last one <laughs> like it's sometimes it's hard to remember the specific or that mythical Dillinger show where he put his foot oh, through put, the stage through the stage through the stage yeah. Yeah, yeah and it was like one of the last it was like when Dimitri was still in the yeah, band. Exactly. Yeah, those shows definitely hold a special place in my heart. The couple of years we were doing shows at Underworld, like I felt like the local scene was at its strongest. We had like a nice community. Like those those shows were you know amazing. Like almost every show we were doing, it's like a three hundred cap room, but almost every show we were doing there was sold out. Hmm. And there was just so many local bands, and you know, kind of knew almost every kid by name that was coming to these shows. So that, so yeah, it's it's hard to pick one in particular that I was that means the most to me you know and getting to book a lot of the bands that I grew up loving to you know it's, it's when I bought like the tape in, in grade 8 and then fast forward 15 years and I'm like putting together a show for them you know it blows my mind like if I was to tell the 14 year old me and be like hey one day you're gonna put on concerts and you're gonna book that band you know like booking Napalm Death for the first time was surreal for me like it was just like I, I couldn't <laughs> I was like, I grew up listening to this band, and now I'm like, you know, <laughs> going to get like vegan food for Barney, you know, and it's he's awesome. It's he's, it's crazy. He's really awesome. Yeah, he's amazing. What would be the show that your was like the biggest flop? Uh well, there's been a couple. Recently, uh, I did the Michael Schenker Fest. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah it was like a, a guitar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I took a I took a sizable beating on that one. It was just it was outside my comfort zone, you know the the. The primary demographic was was baby boomers, and you know my my network isn't built for that. You know, mm-hmm. and it, I was just kind of out of my depth. You know that that, and then there's been like over the years like disasters. Like I remember doing a Chimera show during the STM strike, and had to cancel it on the spot because no one could literally get to the show. Where was the venue? It was at Rainbow. Yes. So you know, again, I think like. <laughs> I'm trying to remember who else played that. Kanae played it. Kanai? Kanai. Oh, yeah. Shout yeah. out to them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Soilwork, maybe? Soilwork had actually broken down, and we're going to make the show in the okay. end. But, but yeah, like it was the type of thing where like I was like, hey, the subway's shut down. This this venue's pretty much only accessible from this subway station. we got to cancel it. And then that was the first time I had to pay a cancellation fee. And ah. Learned that lesson, you know. And That was a nice conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I was just like, uh, they're just like, hey, we just need this. And I was like, 
and I didn't know how to fight it or to contest it and I was just like okay like it is what it is you know like it's it, was, it wasn't an act of God like it was just you know like I wasn't protected from something like that it's just like it was one of those shit happens type of things and they're like get, get in the van we're going to an atm conversation yeah, 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 yeah. The, the, yeah the classic the classic walk to the atm <laughs> the first time i had to do that was pretty rough too like i think the, one of the main reasons i lasted so long is i got humbled really quickly so my second show i did was for this band ensign the hardcore band from new jersey and the t- turnout was less than stellar and uh the singer fell off the stage of Linko, which is not a very high stage. No, it was, it was like, like, it was like a, a freak accident, yeah. and he just rolled his ankle oh. really, really badly. And we had to like cancel the show on the spot, and I had to refund kids. And so oh. like, I learned the lesson like pretty quick, like the highest high and the lowest low. So I kind of was like, okay, so it can be like this, and it can be like that, you know. And from that day forward, I kind of had. Like it was always in the back of my mind, like I gotta be cautious. This can happen. It could all fall to to, to shit, and never kind of put myself too far out there. Let's talk about some myths that I've heard, not about you, but in booking in general. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you you went to Thailand. now. <laughs> Do you and agents like you take like? You know you're going to take a hit on a show, but you get like pitched a bunch of shows at once. Yeah. And you know that some are going to be losses, but you know some are going to be successes. So you take the group of them and you hope they balance out. Definitely. Yeah. Like, it's you have to kind of cultivate a relationship with the agent. He takes on new bands, you know, that probably aren't bringing in a big commission for him that he has to build. So it's, you know, it, it's a relationship we all have to, to kind of take part in. You know, there's mm-hmm. definitely times where I was like, I'm going to book this band. I really like them. There's probably going to be no one there the first time, but, and I might lose a couple hundred bucks, but hopefully it grows into something. And like you said, same agent will sell me another show that's a couple months down the line and I know it's going to sell out mm-hmm. whatever building I put it in and I'll make back what I lost on that show twofold. So it is what it is you know it's it's definitely like you have to take chances you have to build bands you know because you'll never you, you don't get to just cherry pick what yeah, you want yeah, you yeah, know yeah. it's it's a business relationship exactly yeah. and you know like so many bands that we did the first shows for they weren't home runs it, we had to build it and you know like I remember like I booked the first Mastodon show here and really? I couldn't give away tickets for it it was with High on Fire wow who didn't get over the border because at the time they were traveling in this very weird converted U-Haul that had like bunks and, and like a little so it was very air, illegal I'm sure very illegal and they <laughs> rolled up to the border and they opened it and they're like you can't drive this <laughs> and turned them away but Mastodon had been the country so they're like I guess we're going to do a Mastodon show and I like charged five bucks and, and people were like no we want our money back and it, it was, was like, like Blood Mountain or even before no, that no it was like was it Remission okay yeah, the yeah, one yeah. with the horse on it yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. that was it was that era and, unbelievable and people were like oh I was at the show I was like now, definitely now, now they're like yeah, like a huge, huge band. Yeah. But it was just funny that, you know, like once upon a time, like I couldn't even give away those tickets. They're That's like, funny. No, no, I want my, my 15 bucks back. That's and, funny. And it's like, okay. not coming. I don't get to see Matt Pike chest. Is sure list, not know? coming. Not coming. Exactly. <laughs> what is uh, the venue you miss the most? Um, oh, From a, a show going standpoint, I miss the Spectrum. Oh, yeah. I loved yeah. that room. I saw so many amazing shows there. And it's, it's, a, it's a venue size that we just don't have 
still to this day. Like La Stral, or is it still it, bigger? It's, uh, it's actually almost twice as big. Really? Yeah. Okay. Spectrum was about 11,100, 11, and La Stral is about 600. Okay. So we still don't have like a venue that fits 1,000 people. We have... Count uh, like or uh, like twelve, twelve to twelve hundred ish. We have like a lot that are in the eight to nine hundreds, and then you jump all the way to to Metropolis right after that. So, yeah, from going to shows there, that place was definitely an integral part of my my youth. And you know, obviously Lex and and Linko and Underworld, like all these places I miss. I went know? to a friend's bachelor party, and it was at Lanco. Oh wow! And I was like, just like. Reliving, I stood like on the stage where I used to stand and like yeah, looked yeah. out, and I was like, "Yeah, oh this God. room's much smaller than I remember." Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, like a couple years back, these kids rented it for a show, like, like just from a pure nostalgic thing. I, they overpaid for it. <laughs> Like it was very. There's no stage there anymore. If there is, it's very, mm-hmm. very small. It was just very funny that like we all just showed up because we're like, just try to recapture our our youth, our youth, you know. And lots and lots of good times there. Drinking. It's funny because I used to go drink in that alley next to where oh, the, yeah, band, yeah. the bands would park, yeah, and exactly. then there was an AA place. Yeah, which just made no sense yeah, 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 that yeah, I'd yeah. walk in and play it. Shit face. Yeah, most completely of the time. shit face. Yeah, but like it, it, there'd be dozens of people out there. Like as soon as the band would end, there'd be a stampede outside, <laughs> and people would be drinking their Bull Max, like six point one out of like a paper bag, and then the band would start, and everyone would stampede back in, and yeah, no, like, so much fun. Oh god, and the amount of bands that played there. Blessed by broken hearts. Oh, yeah, yeah. like, we did bring me the horizon there, and they just played Plas Bell, you yeah. know, and Avenged Sevenfold play there, you know, like it's Alexis on Fire played there countless times, yeah, yeah. like you know, so many bands came through there. Second myth: Does a band get paid more if they pull up in a tour bus? Usually, <laughs> I mean, uh, it, it, like you know what I mean, like like a, a band that will take the hit and get themselves a tour bus. Do they get higher guarantees? I feel like they have to ask for more because they have a higher operating cost, and a booker will be willing to pay more. Um, or like it's just like, hey, like this band is touring and they're in a bus and they have like a staff of eight people to pay. Like, you need to give me X thousands of dollars to pay for all this. Sorry, mm-hmm. and then the band shows up in a in a in a, in a van. A van. Yeah. You know, they can they can afford to take like a lower guarantee and, you know, take a little bit of a risk because they don't have to pay all these people. Mm-hmm. So usually if I had to look at, hey, I booked this show. Were they in a bus? Did I pay a lot of money? Yes. Like it, it just ends up being that way. Okay. Because so it's two, not, po- two positive myths. I yeah. like that. It's, it's, but that's like a, it's, it's a it's a very weird one. You know, like I've seen I've had bands show up in, in vans that I've definitely paid more than bands and buses you know like okay. just like some 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 bands can definitely still stay in a, in a van and oh they rake it in if, they, if you if yeah, you can yeah, yeah. handle They'll, touring in a van I yeah mean, august burns red stayed in a van for a long time every time i die black dahlia, black dahlia red, i was gonna say a yeah. lot of these bands you know and they just like we just want to buy houses and like yeah. cement our future and then we'll, we'll we'll tour with a little bit of luxury you know and there's and then there's times i've you know bands that get in buses and, and pull up to these venues and nobody shows up nobody shows up yeah. you know and it's it, it, it's it's funny that way so more often than not yes but there are definitely definite exceptions what is a local band that you remember booking as an opener that is now a huge band and you're proud of them I guess Despise Icon. You know, we I actually booked literally their first show in a completely different lineup with uh, when Alex played drums mm-hmm. and 
you know, you look at what they what they grew to, and you know, like it, it, it's funny that you know seeing them play two sold out club soda shows. Seems like local bands that got big. Uh, racking my brain as to other ones. You know, like definitely touched most 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 bands. You know, we did like a couple of Beyond Creation shows, and to see where they're at this point is is, is amazing. And you know, I think I don't know. I'm on the spot here. That's okay. No, I'm I knew you were, were going to say the spies. That, that was, yeah, that, like, yeah, that's what I had in my mind. Yeah, that's and, and you know, like that's a band that had had a very integral part of me being able to quit my day job, was really? doing shows for that band. You know, where it's just like it showed me like, hey, we can do shows and. A thousand people will show up, and the band will get paid a lot. I'll make money and be able to pay my rent, and it was definitely something to help help me jump off that metaphorical cliff. <laughs> was doing shows for that band. Who? What would be some advice that you'd have for a young kid, young promoter getting out there? Just work at McDonald's, like <laughs> be a lawyer, be a banker. It's. It's a very, very hard business, especially if you just wake up one morning like, I want to be a promoter. Like, it's, I was just in, like, uh, it's right place, right time. Like, I was, there was no one else doing the type of shows I was. It was like literally kind of at the advent of a genre of music almost. Like, for lack of a better term, like, metalcore hadn't been monetized yet. And, you know, they weren't, it wasn't on MTV, it wasn't on Warp Tour yet. And, and it, I was just, I was just super lucky. Whereas, like, you know, I, these kids that go to these show business schools with the aspirations of being a promoter and setting up shows, it's it's no joke. It's, it's a very difficult business, getting your foot in the door, you know, finding, like, the right acts to book. Like, it's it's definitely a, a big part of it is chance, to be honest. I hope I don't discourage anybody. No, no, I think, I think your personality has a lot to do with it, too. Yeah, you know, like, yeah. and it's... It's a very high stress job. Yeah. You have to be able to handle stress very well. You're always just you're so nice, but you're I know you're very straight at the same time. Yeah, you have to be. Yeah. Like like I mean I learned that lesson, you know, get it, I, I got walked over a couple times being in the beginning because I just wanted to be everybody's friend and I wanted to accommodate everybody and I wanted everyone to be happy. And then, you know, there's there's a point where you realize like this is a business and you have to put your foot down sometimes and say no sometimes and that's like a that's a big part of it. Too. So mm-hmm. yeah, like you can definitely be a nice guy in this business and treat people with respect, and you know, but it's it's like any other it's field of work. You gotta protect yourself when it when it comes time. Hey, will there be a show at uh, the Bell Center or Plaza Bell, which I'm is actually, a smaller, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm extensive actually, enterprise I'm show? I'm actually working on two Plaza Bell shows. Really, which no. is kind of insane. I don't congrats, wanna, I don't want to let them out of the yeah, bag. It's huge. Kind of terrifying. I I was a partner on my first Plaza Bell show that Bring Me the Horizon show. And where were you? Okay, awesome. And just walking because yeah, there was that's a band that you know we we built from the ground up, and Avenco were very gracious and let me be a part of it and you know walking backstage through that room and just seeing the enormity of it and how everything works is kind of daunting so it's yeah it, it, it's definitely like a terrifying prospect but an exciting one at the same time yeah for everyone at home uh, the bell center is our arena where the our hockey Canadians team plays play, and Montreal Canadians. every every major act Metallica plays there rihanna plays there the plus bell is a smaller it's a smaller many, version it's uh, ten thousand. i want to say uh, uh, 10 or 13 yeah, I, I wish yeah. i remember the exact yeah. in uh but it, well, uh, fun fact the floor is actually bigger at plus bell than um really bell at center. the bell center yeah, really because when they were constructing it 
one of the main things they wanted to do was to have concerts there. It's, so. it's really well set up. I went I saw love it. a I've, hockey game yeah. there. And I get... haven't seen a hockey game there. I seen, I saw Perfect Circle there. I saw Scorpions. I saw Stone Temple Pilots. And... But like in and out, like public transport commute yeah, yeah, yeah. is, is yeah. fantastic. Door to door, even amazing. though it's in Laval. And they have better beer too. They, they do, and yeah, they have a higher the... selection of yes. more of them. Yeah, yeah. which yeah. I wish. Shout out to Trudeau. Yeah, that was like the thing that I and, yeah. and the prices are cheaper too. Like it's true. better it's beer true. for less money. It's true. But no, it's uh, in terms of like a uh, like an arena experience, it's definitely one of the better ones I've had. Is there like an end game of you joining Eventco? I, it's a very very awkward question. Uh, I a couple of years ago I kind of got sick of sick of it it was you know promoting like, in general just promoting in general yeah. I kind of just had like a midlife crisis I looked at like my brother who's a couple years younger and he had two kids in a mm-hmm. in a house and I was like I still live like a highly functional 16 year old for lack of a better you know <laughs> example and it was just kind of like what am I doing what like why am I doing this like it's because at one point like I can only build a band up so high before it just gets out of my league and I can't handle it because I'm 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 one guy and the Live Nations and AEGs and the Venko type can offer stuff that I can't and you know it's something that I accept I don't have to love it or like it but it's just it's it is what it is you know so I eventually I got over it you know but like I like being my own boss absolutely I, I love being my own boss like I just ran off to Japan for five weeks because I'm my own boss and you know like there's definitely times where it, it sucks like you know getting home at two in the morning and you know your diet consists of cheeseburgers and pizza <laughs> and just, just pure garbage like there's things that come along with being like a, an indie guy that sucks but there is a lot of upside to it like you know I, it's, it's my business I can decide who I book what I book you know, it's so that you know. I, I, I've, if you were to quiz me right now and be like, "Hey, would you take a job at a bigger company?" I'd probably say no. I'd probably stay as an indie guy at this point because I, I've kind of grown accustomed to the things that that being on my own affords me. Yeah. <laughs> Is that a good answer? It's a very good okay. answer. Well, thank you for taking the time. No problem. My Coming pleasure. Coming out, Zude CL, drinking Mega Mosaica with me. Um, always so nice. Oh, thank you. I've been looking forward to this interview. I was looking forward to this, too. Yeah, I yeah. love catching up with you. I yeah, love talking yeah. to you. And Cheers. Thank you so thank much. Thank you so much. Hey, boys and girls, thank you so much for listening right to the end. I love it. Love you all, and I appreciate you all doing that. Uh, Love talking to Dave. He's just always just, I always say it, he's just the nicest, nicest guy. Always has been. Doesn't matter where you are or how you meet him. He just always has a smile. He might be in a rush, but he'll always take the time to say hi to you. I love digging into the behind the scenes section of uh, putting on shows, the stuff that goes on behind the curtain. We get a chance to like see deeper what makes this show tick. You you know, from buying a ticket to going and showing up and seeing the show, there's a lot more work that has gone on than most people think. So a uh, big thank you today for taking that time to come and hang out with me and drinking a pint.
I'm doing a whole bunch of interviews this uh, coming week, uh, coming up with a bunch of really interesting people. I'm uh, excited to share all that with you. I am leaving on tour in two weeks. I'm going to be in the States um, on the Hell Over North America, the Blast Beat Party, with aborted, cryptopsy, benighted, and hideous divinity. Uh, If you haven't gotten your tickets yet, uh, you have to get these tickets because they're going to sell out. It's going to be sick. These shows are going to be off the hook. It was crazy in Europe because we just did the Hell Over Europe 2 alongside uh, Aborted and Benighted, and that was insane, and you don't want to miss this party. So check that out. I'm going to put the ticket links in the description. As always, I uh, just want to take the time to thank you all. I really appreciate uh, you hanging out with me and my guests every week. Uh, I appreciate all the, the support I'm getting. I appreciate all your nice comments. I appreciate all the kind messages which I'm receiving. If you want to take that one step further, please subscribe to the podcast if you already haven't. And if you are subscribed, please like the podcast, rate it, and uh, share it on your socials. Share it with people who like good beer, people who like uh, tour anecdotes, people who like silly stories, if they like behind the scenes. I really appreciate all of you. Um, There would be no podcast if it wasn't for your support. And uh, there's only more coming. So uh, stay tuned next week. Vox and Hops, episode number 23, coming at you. Cheers, Vox and Hops heads. Welcome to us talking about our podcast for a minute. What's the name of that podcast? That's Axe to Grind. uh, And right now you're going to be getting a little little taste of it, right down to the shaky microphone and all. And my name's Bob. And my name's Patrick, and usually we're joined by Tom. Tom's the best. Tom has a real grown-up job that requires him to be at work, but we talk about decidedly not-so-grown-up things like... Hardcore music and things that people that like hardcore music tend to like. So that could be the latest shows, uh, revisiting classic material, talking about the new classics... Um, all the little dorm room nonsense that you imagine from a niche music podcast that, that you either love, want to love, or hate. Yeah, imagine all the emotions that you have towards a genre that, that uh, has impacted your life uh, and then condense them down to an hour to two hours a week. So triangulate your speakers. Think about jumping off the bed, singing along, dancing like an idiot and listen to Axe Grind Podcast.